Welcome to The Frontline with FPM, where we talk about California politics, homeschool freedom, parental rights, and the family. I'm your host, Nathan Pierce, and thanks for joining us today. Let's jump right in and see what's going on here on The Frontline. All right. Hi. Uh, we're excited to be talking with you today about a topic that everybody's been talking about, uh, the election. So today's our initial uh, preliminary election report, and uh, thanks, Drew, for for putting some slides together and doing this with me today. Yeah, of course. Um, so obviously there's been a lot of discussion um, about various political announcements and um, certainly with the election la last week and in, into, into this week, we're trying to figure out, okay, what does it all mean? And a lot of discussion about uh, things at the federal level. Um, so let's talk for a moment about that. We we've seen uh, some significant changes at the federal level, um, and both we're looking at both the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate. Um, and uh, so, what does that what does that mean for us at this point? We don't know all the final numbers, but what we do know is. Um, that some seats, at least in the House, have changed over from Democrat to Republican. Um, we've seen some some major shift there, um, which is which is good. Um, probably not what a lot of people were hoping for, but um, still makes a big difference. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, um, there's definitely been uh, a lot of talk this last week about about the midterm results um there was i think some general uh disappointment among republicans just not seeing the, the kind of the wave that was promised you know um but uh something that uh that has come out of that is um a uh kind of a, a surprising number um that uh republicans actually won the popular vote uh by five million votes this hmm. time around which mm -hmm. is which has been um really is it's it's typically been the opposite by for the democrats by about that much so overall in a lot of the more competitive districts and you know races for you know governorships senate seats house seats a lot of it was um uh it didn't it didn't end up changing the result there you know often like a democrat was reelected, or you know in the case of pennsylvania the senate seat flipped to blue but um when you look at uh on a county by county basis and a district by di district basis every almost every single district and every single county went more red so um yeah. it often not enough to uh to sway the election but uh that's been a, a marked change. I mean, every yeah. single county in New York State went m far more red than it has been in in years. Interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah, been there, an interesting been, one to watch. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. There's been some some big changes, and I think a lot of the uh, the wave was uh, more under the surface that uh, you know it wasn't as seen, and unfortunately wasn't as um, I guess the the results weren't what people thought it was going to be sure um, sure so yeah but uh regardless there has been a big uh, reorientation yeah and, uh, especially now with you know switching uh control of the house uh from democrat to republican um that's gonna change some things as well 
Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you mentioned, uh, the, the seat that was, um, kind of the one that, that was pointed out as this is the last one we need to make sure that we have that majority. Yeah. Um, we were talking about California. That. Yeah. We were talking about that before, uh, before the start of the, this episode, we, um, it was actually, uh, our, uh, our friend, Kevin Kiley right here in, uh, Northern California, right outside Sacramento. Um, mm-hmm. in, uh, he, he was in the state assembly and, um, he's now, um, an elected congressman from California. Yeah. So, yeah. And he was the, the deciding election. Once his election was called, Republicans got control of the house. So that was a pretty cool, pretty cool thing to see. So something good can come out of California. <laughs> it definitely can on occasion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there, there has been some encouragement, um, at the federal level. Um, so let's, let's get into California state, um, results and, and talk a little bit about that. I know you've got some slides for us, so let's, let's jump into that too. So people can have an idea of what we're looking at for the, for California specifically in the legislature and, and what we're looking at. Um, sounds good. And we're going to start with, with the governor race, right? Yep. And, uh, yeah, so right here, um, we've got, uh, the preliminary results for, uh, the governorship. Um, now at this point there have been more votes counted, uh, but the race was called for, uh, governor Newsom pretty much instantly, um, yeah. just because of, you know, turnout and the number of Democrats to Republicans. Um, I think even following, the uh the attempted recall last year there wasn't much of a chance that he would be you know uh unseated so right but right there was a, a massive turnout for republicans for uh for brian dolly who's uh currently a senator um in california state senator but right. um yeah ultimately uh governor newsom got a second term all right yeah um so so let's move on to the legislature. Um, we we're going to start with Senate and move on to Assembly, but let's talk about uh, state Senate results compared to um, what we had before. So the state Senate, uh, the results are pretty simple: uh, thirty-one Democrats, nine Republicans, and um, so that's you know a breakdown of forty total senators, and. Um, there's been no change from the last election. Um, okay. Some seats, you know, switched candidates. There was some, you know, slight redistricting and things like that. But the breakdown comes down to the same. So 31 to 9. So this is for uh, the 2022. And then when you look at the former state Senate makeup, it's the same. It was right. the okay. same as before. So um, there may be some different people in there. But if you're just going based on um, party, strictly on party, the breakdown is still 31 to 9. Okay. So, um, when it comes to, um, passing legislation, um, if it's a party line vote, then, uh, as it has been for a few years, um, we have definitely, uh, a majority Democrat, um, yeah. legislature in the, in the state Senate. And it's been that way for a while, not forever. I mean, certainly, um, there has been a time when it was majority Republican, not yeah. even, not even 30 years ago. So it's hard to remember that sometimes, but it, it is, it is true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is where, what our makeup is right now. So let's, uh, let's look at, uh, the assembly. 
All right. So the uh, the state assembly, it's it's a similar breakdown. It's about a uh, four to one uh, Democrat to Republican, 64 Democrats, 16 Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, so that comes out to 80 members. Um, and, you know, like like we've uh, we've talked about basically um, for each. Uh, so there's 80 assembly members, 40 senators. The 80 assembly members represent, you know, 80 districts, and then the 40 senators represent 40 districts, larger districts with, on average, twice as many people as an assembly district has, because there's half as many senators. Right. Um, so, uh, and there was a, a little bit of change uh, in terms of the the state assembly breakdown uh, from the last um, from the last election cycle. Um, so as it stands now, it's 64 Democrat, 16 Republican. Uh, previously, um, up until this election, it was 60 Democrats, 19 Republicans, and one lone independent. Okay. Um, so the independent was uh, replaced with a Democrat um, in this election, as well as uh, three other Republicans were replaced with Democrats. So, okay. it's, so it's, uh, it's more of a supermajority now. So we're, yeah, so we're seeing... A, a stronger supermajority um, for favoring the Democrats. Um, uh, the same in the Senate, um, still solid in the Senate, uh, so, more solid in the in the Assembly. Uh, so, so what does that mean? Uh, let's talk about that for a minute. What does that mean for us in terms of um, policies relating to homeschooling, the family, and um, and the things that that we are concerned about here at FPM. We, we're concerned about uh, family issues, parental rights issues, homeschooling, mm-hmm. um, and, and the ability of, of parents to raise their children as they see fit without government interference. And, and so when we, when we look at those issues, um, typically you see more um, folks that are conservatives supporting those, those issues. Um, is that, is that uh, is that all all that we have to hope for, though? I mean, is that is that what we what we get is is the Republicans? Definitely not. Um, no. Uh, so as we've we've found, um, especially, you know, recently, I mean, we deal with a constant barrage of bills attacking things like parental rights, homeschool freedoms, religious liberty in California. There's been there's been those sort of attacks for decades um and um the ultimate uh thing to remember is that each of these you know 60 democrats uh or 64 democrats 16 republicans and then you know 31 democrats nine republicans in the senate and then in the assembly each one of them is an individual person um you know most of them are from families many of them have owned businesses many of them come from various religious backgrounds so they all have things that matter to them the party is not the defining factor of um a legislator uh it definitely um indicates a lot of their their positions and opinions um but ultimately what you need to remember is that the party does not determine uh, their position on everything. And we've seen that in some, uh, actually like, like we talked about in, uh, the last episode with, uh, SB 866 and the, right. uh, the opposition that, that came from Democrats on that. So I have here, um, 
a statement again like we talked about from patrick o'donnell and there are many others that that put out statements like this de democrats that put out statements on this bill that would have allowed children aged uh 15 and up originally 12 and up to uh receive vaccines without any uh parental consent um and they 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 all had very similar responses saying hey like I'm all for vaccines. I'm vaccinated myself. They pointed, he points that out. He says, I consider myself a pro-vaxxer and have been vaccinated, boosted, and I've had COVID-19 twice. Um, and yet he said, this bill is an overreach. Um, he said he, he will be voting no when it comes up uh, for a vote on the floor. Ultimately, it didn't. It died on the floor. Um, but he basically gives his reasoning um uh, when he says uh, parents have the primary role in raising their children and participating in their medical decisions, the state should be very cautious when attempting to infringe upon that. Further, we must ask ourselves if this bill is the beginning of a slippery slope. Will more laws come forward to disallow parental involvement in making decisions about their minor children? And ultimately, that's just, you know, from a from a more from a conservative perspective, from a biblical perspective, that's common sense. Right. Parents have the right to raise their children, right? The state cannot replace the parent. And that's that's not ultimately how um, the family has been ordered and how the government has been ordered. Um, and this is something that crosses party lines pretty clearly. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think it's something that, that I've pointed out to people for a long time that people ask questions a lot about uh, whether or not they should make a phone call to their legislator because they're concerned that, you know, their legislator will always vote in a, the opposite direction that they want them to because they they just have an opposing view always, all the time, and um, they're never going to agree with them. But I think this is a really good example of, um, I think it really makes a difference when people try to point out some issues with a piece of legislation to their own legislator and and like you said earlier every legislator isn't just a party member they are an individual and they make their decisions based on their individual um, values and so if we can um, reach individual legislators where they're at looking at their values and try to understand how we can explain to them the concerns about a bill based on what their values are, I think we can really make a lot more headway than you might expect. And yeah. this is a great example. Exactly. And that's, that's why we've, we've really encouraged anybody um, with, with a desire to have an impact on their local community, have an impact on legislation um, and join in the fight of, you know, protecting these freedoms um, you you need you need to make connections with a legislator regardless of party um, most people in the state of california will have a democrat representing them right and that's ultimately regardless of party you need to make a connection that's right. the best way to establish that mode of communication it's the best way to give a realistic and accurate impression of yourself and of your beliefs instead of you know them receiving it through media filters through um party positions when they hear it from you it makes all the difference in the world it it, it really can make a, a night and day uh 
switch in terms of the opinion that uh, that some of these legislators have, you know, on, you know, about homeschoolers, about conservatives, about believers, any of these groups, you know, that that come in and that are often maligned. Um, and uh, it really it really can um it, it can change the, the the course of of major legislation that would have detrimental effects on these freedoms. Yeah. So um, let's mention a couple of ways people can can do those kinds of things. And then um, and then we can wrap up with some some encouragement, too. I want to mention um, advocacy from home, which is a program where you can take action yourself on getting to know your legislator and and starting at the district office level, um, now that we've had the elections and people are getting settled into uh, new uh, district offices in your neighborhood over the next few uh, weeks, um, there's a, an incredible opportunity to introduce yourself as a homeschool family, homeschool parent, and just um, let them know that uh, you live in their district and uh, you want to provide them with information about homeschooling, we can provide you with a packet that you can drop off there. Um, but it's a really powerful way to 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 get your foot in the door as a friend, not in the middle of some battle, but somebody that's there uh, to provide answers to them if they need them. So um, that's a really good place to start. So that's advocacy from home. And um, we also have uh, our Capital Day coming up. Drew, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that will be um, that'll be the third week of January, um, and it'll be actually uh, so we'll be going to the Capitol this year. Um, hasn't been possible in the last couple of years, um, and uh, there will be um, training seminars. There will be uh, actually we'll be going through and going to legislators' offices, um, and it'll be a really just a great opportunity to you know bring your family to bring a group and um, basically see it all in action. The legislature will be back in session at that point. There will be a lot of legislation going on. There will be a lot of busy legislators there, and you can see them in action. And um, it'll be a great opportunity to start those connections, to get some training on how to begin those connections. We have plenty of resources um, on our website, on our YouTube channel, but doing it in person is also a really great way to have some support in the moment um, in order to to get those connections started um, and, you know, put the friendly face on it. I mean, uh, there's been, you know, most legislators love having families come visit them. There's, you know, legislators with uh, games and toys in their offices for when, yeah. you know, parents bring kids. I've seen arcade games in there and <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a pretty cool experience all around. Yeah. And uh, you might be able to go sit in a senator's chair or um, yeah. get, get your picture taken with them. Um, uh, it varies from one office to the next, certainly, but uh, it's a, an incredible opportunity that you can come and and present homeschooling, be the face of homeschooling to legislators that need to see what homeschooling is all about. And um, also just a great educational opportunity to see the Capitol, see where government is and where laws are made. So um, it'd be great to see you there. Um, you can join us. Um, we'll have a, a link to where you can uh, fill out your application to to join us there at Capital Day in January. So we'd love to have you join us. Um, that's at our at our website. So, um, so yeah. So 
wrapping up, let's talk a little bit about um, where we can, what's our takeaway from, from the election, from um, maybe some people are disappointed. Um, maybe some people are, are thinking, oh yeah, we can, we can, we can now make a difference. Um, but ultimately, um, where is our hope? I mean, really is, is, is the majority our, our chance? We already talked about the fact that there are Democrats that also can, can make a, a difference on our side, helping us to protect family rights and parental rights. But, but when we look, when we look at, um, the big picture, um, we know that, that, uh, God is in control of, of all of these things. And we have to remember too, that God is, um, as it, as Frank Erb likes to say, uh, God is not a Republican, um, which might be a shocker to some, but God's not a Republican or a Democrat. He's not even an American. Uh, God thinks bigger picture than that. So I, I want us to remember um, some encouragement, um, which can be found in God's word, the Bible, that can really be helpful to us as we, as we want to want to remember uh where our hope is and um we can remember in in uh in verse one it talks about there's no condemnation for those who are in christ um and and we can be grateful for that we can be grateful that um that that god is is working always and uh there's uh hope that god's working all things together for good to those who uh, love him and are called according to his purpose. We can be grateful for a, a great number of things. Um, right here in in Romans chapter eight, I'd encourage you to read the whole passage. Do you have some some favorite parts, uh, Drew, from from this passage that give encouragement? Yeah, verse eight is uh, or twenty eight. Sorry, is is one of my favorites. I think it's it's an often quoted one, but I've found that you know the the verses most quoted are, are most quoted for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah uh basically um uh 28 says we know that for those who love god all things work together for good so that's basically um you know for those who are called according to his purpose it's not saying for you know believers everything will go great um but it's ultimately uh every every fight we face every challenge that we encounter um is for our good and for god's glory um right regardless of uh of how things may go um on earth you know i mean uh i think it's is it i believe it's psalm uh one that talks about you know the nation's rage um the lord sits and laughs um and uh that's it's it's a very effective reminder uh just realizing regardless of, of, you know, how elections go, how we feel that, you know, the, the world at large or the country is going, how our leaders are performing. God is ultimately at the helm and yeah. he's not phased or surprised by any development here on earth. Yeah. And well, some of my favorite verses um, in scripture are, are from toward the end of Romans eight. Um, uh, you mentioned 28, uh, just a couple verses after that, probably my favorite and most encouraging one to me is um, verse 31, where it says, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Um, and I, I just always get comfort and encouragement for that from that, knowing that God is 
is always there. And um, there's nothing that's bigger than God. And uh, no matter what happens or how bad things seem to be around us, um, that that he is still faithful. And what really matters um, is he, in, in the very next verse, verse 32, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. And, um, so we, we can know that, that he is faithful and he will, um, provide for us to, to move forward in our lives. And, uh, he will provide a way for us to be, uh, living in obedience to him. And, and, and this, the election results, nothing like that can get in the way. And, and as it says further on down, um, there's nothing that can, can separate us from the love of God. Um, there's, there's nothing at all. Uh, he talks about height, depth, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers. So these are all things that we can think about and we can tie directly into, uh, the elections and, and none of those things can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So let's remember that as we, um, as we consider and hear people talking about the elections, but remember that we need to have a right mindset and um we can we can certainly individually make a difference in all of these things um but ultimately the one who can make the most difference and does make the most difference is god in heaven who is uh overall and so um, we can thank him and praise him for that so thanks drew so much and um i think that's it for today yeah thank you nathan all right. all right. We'll we'll see you all again soon. All right. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Frontline with FPM. For more information about the topics we discuss here, check out Family Protection Ministries at fpmca.org and subscribe to our channel.